Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Today we prayed that the church, gathered in unity by the Holy Spirit, might show forth God's power among nations. For 20 years or so, the rite of holy unction, or the laying on of hands and anointing with oil for, with prayer for healing, was a regular part of the Sunday Eucharist in my parish, coming sometimes after the prayers of the people and sometimes in place of the prayers of the people. At first, there were some who were indignant and said there are six days on which you can come to be healed. Come on those days. But we decided that Jesus' teaching on that matter was pretty clear. So the healing ministry became a regular and important part of our mission and identity as a parish community. The church's healing ministry was not native to me. As a cradled Episcopalian, I hadn't given it much thought. If I was aware of it at all, I associated it with tent show revivals or TV evangelists who seemed to me more like pious snake oil salesmen than disciples of Jesus. My first introduction to the healing ministry, however, was fairly dramatic. It was in the school dining hall during lunch in my first year at seminary. An upperclassman who had come to seminary after a career as a commander in the Navy rose to thank his classmates for their prayer for his daughter. She was 35 years old, a mother of two, in the hospital for a malignant, inoperable brain tumor. On Sunday night, members of the seminary community had held an all-night prayer vigil for her, and on Monday morning, her doctors discovered that the tumor had burst and was gone. Well, it wouldn't be going too far to say that blew my mind. <laughs> it shattered my worldview. I know that correlation is not causation, but as Archbishop Temple once said, all I know is when I stop praying, the miracles stop happening. The first thing I did was reread the New Testament. And I discovered, as Francis McNutt, a former Roman Catholic priest who became an Episcopalian and a leading advocate of the church's healing ministry, said, every time you meet Jesus in the Gospels, he's either healing someone, going to heal someone, or coming from healing someone. Jesus didn't heal just to show he was God, he said. He healed because he was God. There was an active ministry, healing ministry in my first parish 
including a chapter of the Daughters of the King devoted to intercessory prayer, and a chapter of the Order of St. Luke, which began in the Episcopal Church but had become an international and interdenominational order devoted to the study and practice of the healing ministry. I remember that there was a member of my EFM group who told a particularly moving story. He was an engineer at the nearby Pratt & Whitney plant. He was literally a rocket scientist. And he had been an atheist, but his daughter, who was about 13 at the time, suffered from epilepsy. The episodes were growing more frequent and more severe. A Bible study group at, the, at Pratt Whitney began to pray for her. And within weeks, the episodes stopped and they have never returned. He was converted, joined the parish as several members of the Bible study group were parishioners. He said simply, the way I figure it, if it happens sometimes, you ought to try it all the time. <laughs> During those years, I read as much as I could about the healing ministry. I discovered from Morton Kelsey, an Episcopal priest who taught at Notre Dame, that the healing ministry had been an important part of the story of the early church. In fact, along with schools and churches, hospitals are a mark of the church's mission throughout the world. And there are accounts of miracles in the church fathers that are not just legendary, but continue the New Testament tradition until the fourth century when Christianity became the state religion of the Roman Empire. Then accounts of healing become rare, but continue in the monastic communities which were in some ways a conservative reaction to the worldliness of the church that followed the conversion of the Emperor Constantine. By the Middle Ages, the sacrament of unction had become extreme unction or last rites administered only in the time of death. The 1979 prayer book, which we use, has restored unction as a sacrament of healing. From Agnes Sanford, the daughter of a Presbyterian missionary to China who married an Episcopal priest and founded the School of Pastoral Care in New Hampshire, I learned to pray experimentally. God is present in the world, she said, like electricity. It's unseen, but all around us, and when properly channeled, can light our darkness and transform the world. She said, when you flip a light switch and nothing happens, you don't stop believing in electricity. You check to see if the bulb is out or the lamp is unplugged. 
or a fuse has blown, or the power in the neighborhood is out. And she said, you do these things not because you don't believe in electricity, but because you do. So she said, believe that God's will is to heal and pray with the expectation that something will happen. So I learned when I prayed with someone in the hospital to wait a few days before I saw them again and to see what had changed. Sometimes they had gotten better. Sometimes they had gotten worse, but a reconciliation had taken place among family members. And so I learned that the goal of healing prayer is not to persuade God to do something he didn't want to do, but to become a part of what God is doing. As Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. And I learned that no matter what happens, prayer transforms the prayer as well as those for whom prayer is offered. Once I had a parishioner who developed cancer, we prayed for her, and her cancer went into what the doctors call spontaneous remission. Then, some years later, the cancer returned more virulent than before, and she made an appointment to talk about her funeral. When she came in, I said, Fran, I'm so sorry we have to have this conversation. But she said, don't be sorry. I was not cured, but I was healed. The prayers of this congregation have completely changed me. And if I had to go through what I've been through to be as I am, it would be worth it. And it was true. She was a completely different person than she had been before she got sick. During the season of Pentecost, we celebrate the life of the Holy Spirit within the church. We hear the stories of Jesus in the gospel, not just because they tell us who Jesus is, but also because they tell us who we are as members of the body of Christ, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the revelation of the truth of God, and in Jesus we see that God's will is always to heal and to save and to give new life to all who put their trust in him. As Jesus did, we are to do. Not by our own power or piety, but in the name of Jesus. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, but he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we continue the healing ministry of Jesus as the body of Christ,
the temple of the Holy Spirit in the world. For his power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask for or imagine.